Hi, I'm Dominic Insinius, leader of The Heart. I want to welcome you to The Heart Podcast. Thank you for letting us be a small part in your journey of faith. I hope this message today encourages you and strengthens you. Big things can happen when we expect God to move, so I pray today that God would speak to you through this message. We, uh, we started a brand new series last week called Wish You Were Here. And the idea behind this series, the idea behind Wish You Were Here is taking some time to think about all of the places that we wish we were. Now, I'm not talking about, uh, I don't know why Vlas and Lorena became the target today, but I'm not talking about wishing you were in Vegas like they were, right? Or wishing you were in Alaska. A friend of ours, Zelina, she just got from Ala- uh, back from an Alaskan cruise. Wishing She was showing us the pictures. I was like, man, I wish I was there, especially when it's 105 degrees out. You know, it would be nice to have some, some cold weather. I'm not talking about just that. I'm talking about the places in our life that we wish we were. We wish we were more patient. Maybe you wish you were a better listener. Maybe you wish you would have been there more for the people in your life. You have these wishes where I, I, I wish I were, I, you know, I have a, a certain limited kind of faith, but I wish I was here with my faith. I wish I, I wish I was better at praying. I wish I was better at reading the Bible. I wish I was better at, my, at, at, at bringing my best to, to work. All these places that you wish you were. And so we started this whole idea off with understanding, remembering, knowing, and putting into practice that you are a work in progress, right? God began a work in us, and God is going to continue that work in us until he's done. So if we're not perfectly where we want to be, if we're not exactly where we need, where we think we need to be in life, don't fret, don't worry, because we're not done yet. The journey is still ongoing. These places that we wish we were, they can become goals rather than wishes. And when something is a goal, you can work towards it and know that there is progress there. So today... What I want to talk about in this idea of wishing we were somewhere else, wishing we were somebody else, I want to talk a little bit about what it's like and what it means to compare ourselves to others. Now, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I will raise my hand for this. I have, in my past, have a, I'm prone to, a little bit lean to, comparing myself to others around me. When I was growing up, I know this is aging me, but I know it's still around, kind of, but Abercrombie and Fitch, does anybody remember that? Okay. Um, I was, yeah, how old is this guy? I was so, I was so jealous of guys that I knew who would just show up with the latest Abercrombie and Fitch shirt, you know? And then every now and then, every, every summer, my parents, they would give us, you know, money to buy school clothes. And... My brother and my sister would always make that money stretch really far because they wouldn't go to Abercrombie & Fitch and buy a $55 t-shirt. But I only went to school with like three new pieces of clothing because I had what they like to call champagne taste on a beer budget. That is also aging me. This is just going to be the aging message, I guess. I had really expensive taste. So I was always comparing myself to others. I would look at people and say, I, I, I wish I were sitting at that lunch table. You remember that? That was a real thing. I wish I were sitting with those people at lunch. 
but at least I'm not sitting with these people. Anybody ever fall into that? At least I'm not this guy. I probably do that more than I should. At least I'm not dealing with that. And if I'm not careful, even though I'm in my early, early, early 40s, very early into the 40s, even though I'm this old, if I'm not careful, I can fall into that comparison. You know where it's easy for me? Again, don't raise your hand for this. You know where it's easy for me to fall into comparison? All I have to do is go to Instagram and start going through people's stories. I was like, oh, man, they're at the pool. Sick invite. Oh, man, Vlasa and Laredo in Vegas again. Sick invite. Man, I wish I was there. wish I was at that hotel pool, even though I had plans that I wasn't willing to break. Maybe. I, do, I will break plans for a hotel pool. That's just a little bit about me. That's where I'm, my integrity stops. My integrity is worth one pool day at a hotel. I'll scroll through, and I, you know, I, I, wish, I wish I had that person's car. I wish I had this person's house. And that's very easy for me to fall into if I'm not being intentional, if I'm not being careful. Now, maybe you're not like me, and you're not easily drawn to or comparing yourself to others, but that doesn't mean that you are or that we are immune to ever doing that. Sometimes it's sneaky. Sometimes comparison is sneaky, right? It's easy to point out comparison with others when we say, well, I wish I had that. That's easy. Okay, you're comparing yourself to what somebody else, you're comparing what you have to what somebody else has. But sometimes comparison can be sneaky. Maybe you're fighting really hard for a promotion or you feel like you're working hard and someone else gets a promotion and you don't feel like they were working as hard as you. And that seems unfair. That is a very sneaky, slithery road to comparison. Maybe you feel like you've put in the work in a relationship. You feel like you're working hard in your marriage and you look at somebody else's marriage, you feel like, well, it seems really easy to them. They seem to be laughing all the time. Isn't that just great for them to be laughing all the time? Isn't life just fun for people who laugh all the time? That is a sneaky road to comparison. I want to read a verse today that isn't really about comparison until you look at it through the view of comparison. You might might read this story and think that it's about fairness. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But as, as, as comparison was in my mind this week, I found my, in, in fact, while comparison was in my mind this week, getting ready for the message, I did find myself comparing a lot on social media. Found myself comparing a lot with what other people were able to do compared to what I wasn't doing. You know, a good way, I, I mentioned last week that I have extreme FOMO, fear of missing out, for those in their mid-40s and up, You know, us youngsters, I get it, guys. A good way for me to compare what my life is like to your life is if you if you put a a video of you on a boat and you're wake surfing on you know on the lake, I'm like, oh, your life. I don't care what the rest of your life looks like. You could be a mess financially and everything else and relationally. But if you have a boat on a lake in Texas in the summer, aren't you the king of the world? Anybody? Or queen? Now, not really. I don't really think that. But in those moments where I'm not being intentional, 
that can creep in. So there's a verse I want to read today, and this verse is in Matthew, Matthew chapter 20. And this is actually a story that Jesus tells. And a lot of the stories that Jesus tells, they're referred to as parables. A lot of the stories that Jesus tells, they are meant to have a point, an inner message, something for the reader or the listener to understand through the story. And he's telling a story about these workers who came to work in a vineyard, okay? And I'm going to give you the short, the short version of this. So there's this owner, this landowner, and he hires some people in the morning to come work at his vineyard. And he says, I'll pay you a full day's wage. And they say, deal, that's what we're here. We're day workers, and we'll come work on your vineyard for a full day's wage. And then throughout the day, throughout the day this landowner, he sees more people that need work. He says, come on in. We need, we need people to work the vineyard. It's noon, two, three, four o'clock. He's still bringing people into work. Come on in. Let's get to work. And so now, at the end of the day, it's time for everyone to get paid. And so the people who got there at two, three, four o'clock in the afternoon, they're in line first. And you got to think, if you, let's say you don't have a job, you need work today, and you're looking all day for work, and finally at 3 p.m., somebody says, hey, come on over and get at least a little bit of work in before the end of the day. How grateful might you feel when you just needed a little bit of money for that day? How grateful might you feel? So you're in line, and you go up, and the landowner, he hands you a check for a full day's wage. That would blow your mind. You would be so incredibly grateful. But then, what about the people who had been there since 8 o'clock in the morning? I don't know what the summer in Israel was like, but if it was anything like the summer in San Marcos, Texas, it would have been a tough, tough row to hoe, as they say. Do they still say that? Is that another aging thing? Has anybody ever said row to hoe ever in their life? Okay. Oh, is that a hand raise? Are you just scratching? Ah. Oh. Yeah, you can't raise your, you can't even scratch your eye around me. I see that hand. I almost jumped on top of you. For <laughs> so here's what happens. Watch this. So they, so the people who were there from eight o'clock in the morning, they go up. All right, hey, now it's our turn. Watch this. If this person who just showed up two hours ago gets a full day's pay, can you imagine? They're doing math in their head. You've never been as good at math as when you're trying to track how much money you're going to get based on the hours you've worked. Am I right? You've never been that good at math. But here we go. Okay, $12 an hour. So they come up and they say, hey, we're about to get paid. This is going to be a big night. So they go up. And the landowner gives them a full day's wage. They're like, hold on, man. Wait a minute. You're telling me this guy who was here for two hours gets a full day's wage. And me, here, watch what they say. This is verses 11 and 12. Chapter 20, verses 11 and 12. When they realized what happened, they were offended and complained to the landowner saying, you're treating us unfairly. They've only worked for one hour, and while we have slaved, okay, watch how they're, they're, really, they're really putting some language here, right? We've slaved and sweated. Other translation says, oh yeah, here it is. Uh, we've slaved and sweated all day under the scorching sun. 
lot of, lot of adjectives there. You've made them equal to us. Does that seem fair? Does that seem fair to you? It shouldn't because it's not. It's not fair. And I think a lot of times, at least, for, at least in my opinion, for maybe just in my life, and maybe I can ask this for you, maybe a lot of times comparison comes from something that you think might be unfair. Because it's not fair for someone who worked an hour to get paid the same amount as someone who worked eight hours if they were doing the exact same thing. That's not fair. So they're not wrong that it's unfair until we know all the facts of the case, if it pleases the court. Because at the beginning of the day, the landowner said, would you like to work on my vineyard and I'll pay you a full day's wage? And they said, yes. So a full day's wage was something that they could appreciate, something they could be grateful for, something that they valued. The only time it lost its value is when it was compared to what somebody else got. Has your faith, your marriage, your relationship, your children, your job, have they lost value because of your comparison to something that they weren't? What in your life has lost its value only because it is now being compared to something you see as better? Something you see, not objectively better, right? Something you see as better. I'm going to change this story up just because some friends of mine, they're all about, they're all into fitness right now. Our friends, Matt and Bertie and Crystal, oh, that's all they talk about. Oh my gosh, that's all they talk about. What if, what if the goal for this day was to burn calories? Now who's winning? It's the people there at 8 o'clock, right? Now, now, now we're comparing ourselves to the fit people there who have been working for eight hours and the unfit people who have only been working for an hour. See what I'm saying? That's a, that's a terrible example, but that's my example of how what is better is subjective to you, what you perceive as better. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Comparison, comparison makes you feel pity for those that have less than you. Compassion connects with them. Comparison will make you feel pity for those that you believe have less than you whether it's money, materials. Maybe you have children and you have felt pity for people that don't have children or can't have children. Comparison makes you feel pity. We're reading a, we, read a, we read a book as a leadership team called Atlas of the Heart. Maybe you heard of it. It's a, by an author named Brene Brown. She is absolutely incredible. Sometimes she's quoted around here like, you know, the book of Brene and she has, this, she has this part in her book where she talks about pity being the near enemy of, com, of, of compassion. Because pity can look like compassion, but it's not. Because you don't pity someone that you feel compassion for. You don't pity someone that you empathize with. You pity someone that you feel superior to. That's what it means to pity someone. But if you feel compassion for someone, you are now connected to them. It takes two parties 
for comparison, and it takes two parties for compassion. It only takes one party to feel pity. Comparison can be so dangerous to our health, to our growth, to our faith, to our spirituality. And it would be so easy if comparison were always easy to spot, but it's not always so easy. Comparison doesn't always look like I'm better than you. It doesn't always look like I'm worse off than you. It's blurry. It's a blurry, it's a blurry line between comparison and inspiration. Have you ever looked at someone's fitness journey and been inspired to eat a little bit better that day? Not because you wish you were them, but you see that it's possible and now you want it to be possible for you. Have you ever seen someone's journey of faith and been inspired to pray more, to do more for your faith? Not because you wish you were them, but because inspired you to say, if someone that I know can have a relationship with God like that, then maybe I can too. So there is a healthy way to look at others and be inspired by what they have done, what they have accomplished. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down too. Comparing ourselves with others is the fastest way to lose appreciation for what God has done in our lives. Because when we're in a quiet moment, we can remember what God has done. If I told you, everybody close your eyes, and I said, all right, think about what God has done in your life. And then I said, now think about what God has done better in someone else's life. (laughs) How quickly do we lose appreciation for that? Now, it doesn't always happen that way, but like I said, comparison is sneaky. And comparison is dangerous because I do want you to be inspired by others. I want you to drive through a neighborhood of huge houses and instead of saying, must be nice, say, wow, there must be a lot of money to be made out there if people are buying homes like this. I think I can make some of that money if that's what you're into. I don't know, maybe you're into gardens. You see somebody's photo, and they have a huge garden. They're growing all this stuff. Instead of saying, must be nice, must be nice to have all day to work on your garden, say, okay, it looks like growing a garden in South Texas is possible. Maybe I can ask them for some tips or look up some stuff for myself. Last thing I want you to write down, if you're taking notes, is comparison leads to a feeling of superiority or inferiority, and neither of those help you grow. If you find yourself comparing, you are either comparing to someone who you think has more than you, is better off than you, or you're comparing with someone you think is worse off than you. One of those puts you inferior to the person who is better off than you, and one of those puts you as superior to the person who has less than you. And you are probably never going to be a person who says, I feel superior to this person. Or or you probably wouldn't say, I feel inferior to this person. But again, like I said, comparison is sneaky, and it shows up in certain ways. 
See, we're not jealous of people we feel compassion for. We're jealous of people that we envy. And if we're pitying someone who has less than us, then we're missing the compassion that connects them to us. So what I want for you, what I want for myself, in this whole idea of I wish I was here, I wish I could do this, I wish my job allowed me to do this. If you find yourself in that thinking, in those moments, I want to challenge you to practice joy, to practice gratitude. Last week we said that we are a work in progress. This is a journey. Your faith, your life, your marriage, your parenting, it is a journey. So instead of wishing we would hurry up and be where we want to be, we want to be on this journey. Be present in your life. Be present in your faith. And to practice not comparing what we have or don't have with, with, other, with what others have or don't have. That's where it takes intention. That's where it takes work. Feeling grateful for what you have and being joyful for the people that have what you see as more. It's like this. Uh, don't go, don't save up money to buy a boat. Make friends with someone who has a boat. Do you see what I'm saying? Then you're happy for them because, not really, but maybe. Does anybody have a boat? Raise your hand. Put it down. Be careful how high you raise. You're going to have all of us on your boat today. <laughs> If we can catch ourselves in comparison mode, because sometimes it's sneaky, if we can catch ourselves in comparison mode, then what we do is we give ourselves room to grow, to be inspired, to be inspired not to feel inferior, to feel compassion not to feel pity. So if we want to be inspired to do more, grow more, then I want you to do that. But I want you to be so intentional that along the journey, you don't get caught in comparison with where others are. And a great way to remember what God has done is to take a moment to be grateful for the things that you have seen in your life. Now, gratitude is not the recipe to getting rid of comparison but it is a big ingredient in that recipe. What are you grateful for in your life? What are you grateful for in your life? And how, how can you share that gratitude with the others in your life? If you could real quick, I want you to close your eyes and put your head down for a moment. I wanna invite you to, to take, a, take a challenge with me today. This week, I want you to practice compassion and gratitude. 
compassion for those around you, gratitude for what you have. Because when we, pr when we practice compassion and gratitude, we're already setting ourselves up to fight against comparison. So with your eyes closed and your head down, I want to ask you, do you want to take that challenge with me this week to practice compassion with those around you? To practice compassion with those that you feel like might have less than you, to practice gratitude for what you have. If you want to take that challenge with me this week, put your hand up real quick, just for a moment for me to see it, and then you put it back down. Okay, I see those. Put it down. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time today. Thank you for the lessons that we can learn through the words of Jesus, that we can see that life isn't about being fair, but that life is about gratitude, God, and we choose to be grateful today. It doesn't mean we can't want for things in the future. It doesn't mean we can't be inspired to do more in our life, but wherever we are in this journey of life, we will choose to be grateful for where we are and for what we have. Because we are grateful in you and for you and because of you, God, and we love you and we pray that in your name, amen. Thanks for listening to The Heart Podcast. At The Heart, we like to say you don't have to go to church here to go to church here. That means you are already part of the community just by listening to the message today. If today's message connected with you, we want to invite you to share it with someone who may benefit from it. We would love to be a part of your journey of faith. Please visit us online at www.theheart.church forward slash next to see what your next step may be. And if you live near San Marcos, Texas, we would like to invite you to visit us in person this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Remember to be bold this week and connect with those around you. It's how your relationships grow and how your faith grows.